Welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sal Interdonado. The Black Knight Nation podcast is brought, brought to you by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a company started by Joe Ross, former Army fullback, former Army assistant coach. And we thank Joe Ross for sponsoring this podcast. Um, you can uh, listen to our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. And if you're watching it on YouTube right now, you can uh, hit the bell for notifications for future uh, podcasts. And you can also uh, give us a, give this video a like and uh we uh, bring in our special guest today, uh, Greg Washington, former Army football captain. Thanks for joining us today, Greg. Hey, Sal. How's it going? Really good, really good. Um, I think it was last week or maybe the week, maybe a couple weeks ago, I was uh, sent a direct message on Twitter and uh, told me a little bit about what you're doing, uh, a great cause you're um, you're doing here. Uh, and I wanted to talk to you about that. also wanted to talk to you about your days as an Army football player and um, – I guess first off, we usually start off with like how you got to West Point, you know, how how you ended up at Army. And uh, if you could just give us like a little bit of history on how that happened, because you were able to have a really uh, fantastic career where you are still in like the top five for career tackles uh, at, in Academy history. Indeed. Uh, so it, it's it's a story in itself. I, I my rec football coach from when I was nine years old had been following me from rec on up to high school. And I remember my senior year, he calls me after the season and he's like, you know, uh, he asked me, what were my, my plans for school? What did I think about West Point? I told him I'd never heard of it before, but you know, I'll look into it. And we ended up having a conversation. He was like, hey, look, if we can get you into West Point, he was like, promise me one thing, you won't quit. He said, I had a chance to go. I chose love instead. And he was like, that's been my one regret my whole life. And so I made a promise. I told him if I get the West Point, I told him I wouldn't quit. And before that, I didn't want my mom to have to pay for me to go to school. I was My plan was to do Marine ROTC at NC State, study engineer, uh, play football there and go into the Marines um, once I graduated. And within a, a week time frame, my rec football coach called me and one of the recruiters from West Point was actually from my hometown. Oh, and wow. we had such an amazing season. Um, we were one game away from the state championship uh, that, you know, I, I made a name for myself. Um, man, I, I played... In high school, in one game, I ended up getting a touchdown in three positions, running back, safety, and quarterback. And so, um, and so, you know, they, they came, they recruited. I said yes um, after my mom went up to West Point and got to see the facility and the whole nine. I remember her telling uh, Coach Smith, she was like, you better take care of my baby. I wasn't really sure about him going into the military but don't make me have to come back up here. And he was like, okay, I, I got him. Don't worry. He's in good hands. And uh, the, the rest was history. Wow. Did you, you, were you a direct admit or did you do the prep school? I did the prep school. The, the, um, I did the prep school for a number of reasons. Um, of course you, it's like your red shirt um, year for football. So it allowed me to get bigger, faster, stronger. And to have another year of, of playing under my belt. And then it also helped prepare me for 
but military life or what life was going to be at at West Point. So I went. I strongly encourage anybody that that you know that wants to go to the academy uh, to go through the prep school because it's a great transitioning period um, as well. Yeah, they did have a. You did have like some sort of a boot camp at prep school or now? Yeah, yeah, um, you did. And I was at the, the prep school. Um, the prep school was in Fort Monmouth, New Jersey, and so we would go to Fort Dix for training. Um, we we were literally uh, privates um, because we had to um, enlist while we were at the prep school. And so uh, we, we held that status and we did our training and um, we did our year, you know, as a, as prepsters and then went on to West Point. Then, I mean, when you get to West Point, talk about like your, the time that you were um, able to get on the field. I mean, how early were you able to get on the field and what kind of impact you were able to make, um, you know, in your career? Uh, well, at the prep school, I, I played linebacker and safety. Uh, when I graduated from high school, I probably weighed 185 pounds. By the time I got to the prep school, I was 205. And by the time I got to, to my freshman year or prep plebe year at West Point, I was 215, 218. And so uh, I got a chance to put on some good weight. I got to see a lot of growth. And I remember playing in, in, in a couple of games where um, it was that first taste of like Army versus Air Force or Army versus Navy. And I remember uh, I had been playing outside linebacker for most of the year and our safety went down. And so the coach was like, hey, we need you to play safety. And this is what I'm going to teach you. And so within, you know, that week, he taught me the scheme to play safety. And I ended up having like a career, like 19 tackles that game wow. um, just from playing safety. And so when I got up to West Point, uh, I was um, one of the few uh, freshmen, or we call them plebes, uh, that actually got to letter um, my freshman year. So, so I... I was able to directly get on the field, me and a couple of other guys. And my freshman year was the time that we had beat Navy before they went on that long, that yeah. long winning streak. What was that like freshman year for you to be a part of that um, right away and get that, that went over, you know, arrival? Oh, I mean, it, it helped strengthen the bond of, you know, just the team in general. Uh, they also said, you know, when you win Army-Navy game, it's like the whole school year from there on out, you know, just gets better. <laughs> and, it, and it really does. And so um, I think we were able to get recognized a little bit early. Um, we definitely got privileges or at least got noticed, right, by the upper class for, you know, the job well done. Um and it was just amazing to be able to to letter, right? To, to say that you earn, you know, your, your letters in Army football. Yeah, I mean that that victory, it, like you said, was the last for Army until now, where it seems like now they have Navy's number, right? I mean, the one 
won uh, three of the last four Commander in Chiefs trophies and uh, just seemed to be in the. What, what's it like now to follow the team and have to see that success against the you know the Air Force, uh, Navy and Air yeah. Force? I am so excited for the cadets up there and for the football team because I mean, what a time to be alive, especially you know with Army football because we are winning games, uh, we are creating leaders and going out here and fighting our nation's wars and winning. And I mean, like, I always tell the guys, I'm like, hey, look, I got, I got one or two more series left in me. Now I probably got about four since I started doing this walk. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm definitely in shape, but I'm, I'm happy for them. Um, I love the fact that the commander in chief trophy has been sitting at home with us. And so that's where it, it needs to be. It needs to stay. Yeah. When you talk about, you know, you're, they're out there winning football games, they're out there, you know, they're going to graduate West Point and then they're going to fight, you know, the wars also. I know that, you know, you, you served right after, after your life after football was right, um, pretty much right into um, being an officer. Right. And you, and you served seven years in, in the army. So. Yeah. Um, I, I did. Playing football, getting the chance to be a team captain, um, being a leader amongst leaders, uh, that was an honor, and that helped prepare me for what I was going to face as a leader in the Army. And so, um, of course, you know, I was a freshman when 9-11 happened, and so I knew me and my class were going to fight. And uh, I commissioned as an infantry officer and I uh, was stationed in Germany, deployed Afghanistan and Iraq, and uh, and was in for seven years before uh, before I had to hang up the hat. And so I enjoyed my time in. I enjoyed West Point. It is, it's an institution. It's a safe haven. It's a safe place. Because, I mean, I got to go there and learn my craft play football, I had a chance to go play in the NFL. I was in there in the draft in 2005 as well. And it was a win-win, like all around. Um, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Did, were you invited to any, like, uh, rookie camps in the NFL? or No, I didn't make it. I didn't make it that far. Um I got to play in the East-West Shrine game nice. and had a couple of teams that were looking at me from from that standpoint. Um, but just like any service academy, um, when you go into your senior year at West Point, or really your junior year, that's when your commitments start. And so upon graduation, you have this five-year commitment to the military uh, to serve on active duty. Yeah. And so um, there weren't strong policies in place uh, to do otherwise. But like I said, it was it was definitely one of those where we were starting to make a name for ourselves. We had Bobby Ross as our head coach and what he did for the program and, and how he turned it around and and got the academy to see, you know, the big picture and also got the players to see 
their big picture as well when it comes to leading and, and being a part of something special uh, with Army football and the Army in general. I mean, it was it was amazing. Yeah, it was um, – Bobby Ross had a short stay at West Point, but what was it like to play for a coach of that caliber who had the NFL experience to go along with a, a pretty uh, pretty solid college, college career too? <laughs> Man, Coach Ross was one of my favorite football coaches I ever I ever played for. Um, his, his leadership, his knowledge of the game – I mean, it, it was phenomenal. Um, I remember being in, watching film, and we were going through, and the coaches, they were watching, you know, film. And, of course, you got to rewind it about five or six times so that you can see all the different parts of of, uh, of the game. And I remember Coach Ross, he walks in, he looks at the film one time, and he just breaks down the whole thing. And coaches are like, holy shit. We on the set and try, you know, break this thing down, and he gets it in one take. And I mean, he's just an amazing person, um, and and just a really good guy and a really good leader when it came to uh, being a coach and understanding the difficulties of being an Army football player and being a cadet. Yeah, I you kind of wish maybe if he would have got, maybe if he would have got to army a little bit earlier in his career, you know, I mean, it, it, it was a little bit toward the tail end there where he, he, I guess he decided to, you know, step, step away from the game for a little bit. And uh, man, who, who knows? I mean, because it seemed like that you guys were getting talent there, no doubt with, with him there. Right. I mean, just to have his name going out there and recruiting was probably bringing in some really talented, talented players too. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, he was able to kickstart a, a lot of things for us, um, especially policy-wise. I mean, if it wasn't for him, um, I don't, I'm not sure if some of the players that had the chance to play in the NFL now uh, would have been able to make it. Yeah, uh, because he definitely helped push and you know help help the academy see the light. Um, and I, I mean, it, it is one of those difficult situations because we all know that we didn't go to the academy you know with the dream of I'm going to leave and then go play football or play professional Um, we know that you know our commitment first is to you know our service and so being able to um, pull a program or bring something together where we can still serve and still live out that childhood dream. I'm, I know that that made a difference for, for a lot of us, for a lot of guys. Do you have any thoughts about where it is right now with the policy and how, you know, Army and Air Force um, players are now being able to just go directly to the pros and then push that, you know, service commitment until their 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 careers are over if whenever they're they're not playing professional sports? Yeah, you know that it, it makes it makes sense because when you look at the average lifespan of a NFL or you know professional you know player, um, you know on average it, it's three to five years, right? And so, and then the five years is on the long end. 
And so to be able to have, you know, these these great Americans to go off, be able to live their dream and then come back and serve out their commitment. Um, I don't see nothing wrong with it, especially, you know, depending on where we're at as a nation uh, and, and what the needs of the, the military or the army are. No doubt, no doubt. So today you were telling me you you were in Augusta and uh, Augusta, Georgia, um, right? I'm guessing. Yep, I'm in Augusta, Georgia at Fort Gordon. Uh, oh wow! I I just hosted one of our mental health rallies. So what I am doing is I am walking 1,800 miles to raise awareness for the increasing suicide rate amongst our veterans and our youth. And so I started at Mount Bayou, Mississippi. I'm headed to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and then I'm gonna make my way on up to West Point, New York. And so it's 1,800 miles, 11 states, 25 cities. And each one of these cities that I'm stopping in, we're hosting these mental health rallies, connecting communities to local and state resources. And so why am I doing this? There have been more veterans to die by suicide from 2007 till now than those that have died in the Vietnam War. Hmm. There's a rate of 22 vets die a day by suicide, and that rate's increasing. The last I heard, it was it was right at, at 28. And if you didn't know, the second leading cause of death amongst our adolescents is suicide. And so with a lot of soldiers coming home from war, having deployed multiple times, and with this pandemic that's been going on and you know, just the whole state of, of the world, you know, in the US, people are suffering in silence. And so this walk is a call to action one, to break down those stigmas when it comes to mental health and talking about it, and two, to get people to start their own journeys to heal. I was almost one of those vets that died a day by suicide. And I thought, if it, my transition, if I'm a leader, and even though I come from a good background, and if my transition was that hard as a leader, I can only imagine what it's like for other military personnel that don't have the resources nor the tribe to connect to to get help. And so I started this nonprofit and we started this effort. And everywhere I go, we're having these tough conversations. Right. And I challenge people the same way my baby cousin called me in my darkest hour just because she was thinking about me and wanted to invite me out. I'm challenging people to be that angel for someone else. Think of one person, one family member, one loved one, one friend, one battle buddy that you haven't talked to in a while and just check in because you never know what that phone call will do. Yeah, I was going to ask you what like your message is at these rallies, but I guess there it is right there, right? Just, just you know, you beat me to the punch there. But just um, I mean, 
what did the turnouts like? And I mean, when you leave there, I mean, you got to have a pretty good feeling in, in you that you, you, you know, you're getting people together to talk about a very important subject, right? Very important message. It is. It is it's a great feeling. You know, it, it's one of those because when I share my story and when I talk about others, I always leave them with, you know, suicide is real. It's not the answer. It never is and it never will be. And that you need to have a plan. Right? And so the plan is who are your three battle buddies, your three good friends that in your darkest hour or just when you need them, you can call and they can talk you off the ledge. Do you have the number to your primary care provider or, or healthcare provider? And at the very least, do you have the number to the crisis hotline? Right? Because a lot of us carry the weight on the world on our shoulders and all we let these daily problems build and build to the point where we can no longer you know deal with it and, and everybody has a breaking point and so before you even get to that breaking point let's do some preventive maintenance and check in and if you are there look don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Are there um, people that maybe that you serve with or maybe even former teammates that you've, you know, have been given advice to or maybe were their buddies, so to speak, to to be in case they needed anything? I'm, I'm sure that you probably have stepped up and done that too, right? Oh, we have. I mean, when you look at Army football, it is a brotherhood. And – we are there for each other. I mean, I got I got a group of guys now that every week we do we get on a duo and we do a video check in. Mm -hmm. We just say, hey, what's up? What are we going through and just talk. And it's so good to catch up because, you know, everybody's going through their own issues. And normally, you know, you keep your head down and you drive on. So to come up to, to check in, to, to breathe a little bit. Um, means a lot. I started this walk in April. I started it my birthday weekend. May 2nd was my birthday, and I started it then. Two months prior to that, two or three months prior to that, I witnessed a former teammate last moments on Facebook Live. Hmm. He had been struggling with a drug addiction and two months prior we had talked. And he reached out to me and he was like, you know, gee, he was like, man, can we talk? Of course, you know, I, I, I was struggling with addiction. I'm in this program now and I'm at the point of making amends. So he was like, you know, I, I did you wrong and I want to make amends and I want to just say thank you for being you. And so we, we shared that moment. And it was one thing to talk about your scars. It's another thing to talk about your wounds. And so I, I host a podcast called Guards Down where people share their stories 
about their PTSD and their, their grief experience and, and what they went through. And the hopes is having conversations that may help other people put some tools in their tool bags that, that, you know, help them fight another day. And I was nervous. I was afraid to have this conversation with him because I felt like it was too close to home to what he was doing. And I didn't want him to have, you know, a relapse or, or anything. And you fast forward two months later. And I still remember seeing the phone drop on live as what happened started to take effect. Hmm. And I and I told myself and I told my team, I was like, look, I know we've been preparing for this walk. And I know we said, you know, we needed more time to get it done, you know, to plan it out. But I was like, if I have to wait another 365 days and 22 vets die a day from suicide, this one's too many. I got to move. I got to go now. And so I started walking. I didn't think I was going to have much support, let alone any, just because nothing was planned out. And when I tell you my family got behind me, when I tell you my mentor, retired three-star general, William Lennox, who was a superintendent at West Point when I was there. Yeah. When he heard what I was doing, he said, Greg, give me a couple of days. I'm going to make some phone calls. My Army football brothers, I mean, when, when, they, when, when you reach out, when you let people know, like, the, the, the honest, the real part about you, and not just anybody, but, you know, you're, you're true battle buddies. things that start to move in such a way that you just have to, you know, believe in something higher than you, than yourself. And that, and that's what it's been. That's what it's felt like. And so um, everybody I talked to, I challenged them to reach out and do that check-in. And I challenged them to, uh, to ensure that they got a game plan. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at, you know, like you talked about the when 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 you uh, decide, okay, I gotta get this, I gotta get this walk going. I really need to push out awareness more. And when you can call a guy uh, or contact a guy like General Lennox and him to move some <laughs> move some mountains for you, so to speak, in a couple of days and just get things going. I mean, man, um, just that that support. Um, gotta gotta actually um inspire it's inspiring isn't it you, what you're doing 100 greg is 100 inspiring to me right and then when you can get that you it, it seems like now you got a group to also be behind you with it too so the message maybe can be even a little maybe stronger too so indeed indeed and i, I mean that is that is exactly what it is and i remember asking You know, Bill, I was like, sir, how do you, how did you do it at West Point? Every weekend, we had people coming to you, asking you the same questions over and over about the academy, about your philosophy of leadership. 
you know, and, and how and, and what you was doing to to lead West Point in the direction he was leading. And he was like, he was like, Greg, that was it. He was like, that was my passion. He was like, I, I, I believed in the cadets and I believed in what we were doing. And so being able to have these conversations, whether it's with one person or a thousand people over and over, I'm willing to do it. And that's been my passion as well. I don't want to lose another service member. You have these young men and women that honorably raised their hand and said, I'll serve and protect our country. And they go through things, having been deployed, having been at war, and they come home not knowing who and where to turn to. And so I'm raising support, I'm raising effort. Like I tell anyone, if you're suffering, if you don't have a tribe to connect to, and you're dealing with something, you don't have to deal with it alone. I'll walk to you. You know, that's how passionate I am about it. And so I want people to know that suicide is not the way. It never is. It never will be. And that it is okay to reach out and get help. Yeah, I was, um, you know, I was reading uh, a write-up on you talking about your walk. And, you know, just it, at first I'm like, wait, he maybe this is his way a little bit to maybe this was not only for just to bring awareness, but maybe it was a little bit also for you to, for you too. But now it seems like, I mean, this is, this is so much bigger than, than anything I, when I was reading can, can, can think of just because of everybody that is involved in this, right. Just from the, from the soldiers coming back from, you know, their families and just these rallies and like, um, you know, just for you to stop in all these cities and get that message out is, is really encouraging. And, um, what what what's kind of next? What's what's after Augusta? Where where are you heading next? Well, I'm uh, I'm over 450 miles in. Um, I average about 15 to 18 miles a day, um, but I I stop in these cities to host the rallies. Uh, so next, I'll be moving through um, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and then on up the East Coast. The goal is to make it to West Point by September 11th, which would be our first home Army football game. Uh, September is Suicide Prevention Month. I'll get to walk through New York City, and it'll be my first time I'll be able to bring myself to go see the memorial site for the uh, the Twin Towers. Mm. And I'm hoping to be able to make it to the cadets because for these next generation of leaders, I want them to know that they come from a very strong background and a supportive background, that they have an awesome task ahead of them because they'll be leading soldiers that have had multiple deployments and that'll be coming back home. And so they have to be mentally ready and prepared themselves and they have to know the tools and the resources available to ensure that they can help others. 
Yeah. I mean, you're, you, when I think about it, you're absolutely right. Sometimes you think of, okay, you know, what West Point just had a graduation a few weeks ago and you, these guys are, you know, these guys and girls are commissioned to be become second lieutenants. And yes, they're going to be leading, you know, unit units and, and soldiers. And there's a lot more to that than just leading, you know, just be, be giving orders, right? There's a lot more to that than there's a lot of like, it, 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 there's a lot of personal relationships that are also built through that. Right. I mean, and to connect in a certain way where those um, soldiers under you feel like that they can go to you if they're, if something happens that they need to talk about is, is really important that sometimes might get overlooked in that next, um, next journey for, you know, West Point graduates. Correct. Correct. And, I, and I'll share a, a quick story before, before we end, but you got to do more than care. You got to show up. And I'm reminded of uh, a soldier that I, that I'm, I spoke with and he shared his story and he told me how he was deployed and one of his guys got shot right in front of him and it messed him up. And when he came home, his family was like, oh, you need help. And when he finally heard them and accepted, he was like, okay, well, come with me. And he was like, oh, no, you know, I, that's, 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 that's not me. You know, that's, that's too much out of my lane. Um, but you go, though. And so he had to muster up the courage to go alone. But then the soldier turned around, and when he saw that his soldiers needed help, Right. Not only did, you know, he care enough to to say something about it, but he did something about it. He said, look, you need help. But I'm going to go down here with you. And he went down to the clinic and sat while they went and did their visit with a mental health professional. And that right there made the difference. Hmm. And so we need more leaders. NCOs and officers alike to be like him, to do more than just care, more than just, oh, it's a good cause, or, you know, hey, yeah, you need help, but to show up. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, that's a, that's a great story with that guy. That's that's a true leader right there. And, uh, man, on the field you were a leader, Greg, for Ar- for Army, the Army football team, and now you're, you're, you're leading in the right direction with this cause. And we really appreciate you having having you on for a few minutes to talk about it. And man, I hope to see you at Mikey Stadium on September 11th, completing that 1800 that 1800th mile, right? Yes, exactly, man. I'm excited too, and I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Greg. Like always, go Army, beat Navy. <laughs>